Thanks for listening to the Dr. Drew Podcast on Podcast One. Hey, welcome to Dr. Drew Podcast. Uh, we're going to have a little call show here. We take some of your calls. People seem to like that, so we'll do some of that. That's uh, always happy to do so. Uh, again, uh, check out those swinging sounds available on iTunes, also at doctor.com slash music. Don't forget about the other podcasts at doctor.com as well. We've got, of course, the This Life podcast, You Live. My um, Catherine and I have the new Swole Patrol. That's the one that's got me on this stupid, crazy uh, diet. If you listened to that at all, we had uh, Mark Smelly Bell and his brother on the, on the podcast, and they convinced me to start lifting heavy, heavy weights again uh, with the idea that it would – Helped me with my joint and back complaints and things, and lo and behold, it did. But then I quickly gained a ton of weight, and then they convinced me to do a sort of a super low-carbohydrate diet, which is something I had done over the years. And, uh, man, I felt good again doing that. Like, I hadn't felt that good in a long, 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 long time. So I just kept doing it. So, And I'm not recommending it. I am not recommending it. I'm just saying it has been good for me. Uh, let's go out to some callers. This is uh, Richard. What's going on, Richard? Dr. Drew, I've been listening to you for 20 years. You're an inspiration, sir. Thanks, buddy. What's happening? Um, I got a question about testosterone replacement therapy. Um, I'm a Navy vet. Uh, all I've got right now is a VA for my health care, and I've got basically all the symptoms of low testosterone. All my tests, I'm showing up in low 3 to low 400s. That's not uh, that's, power lifting, that's not low. That's no, wait, 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 hold on. That's normal. That's normal. Yeah, you said it's low. I understand they're in the low 400s, but that's normal. So, my, uh, okay, so I guess my question, my dad popped about 500. He's 60, and they immediately put him on uh, I don't, gel. I don't understand why they would do that. But at your age, you should not be taking supplements. You're 30 years old. And, and if you have diminished testosterone for some reason, that's a medical illness. I mean, that needs to be explained. So, you know, what, what is it you're experiencing? So I've got severe sleep apnea. I'm averaging 46 episodes an hour. All right. Well, um, so there's, that's, I've been on a CPAP. Well, that's why you feel like crap all the time, right? Yeah, it's not helping. I'm supposed to go in for a septoplasty on the 11th, so maybe that'll help. Is it all that, or uh, are you also overweight? Um, I'm a little overweight. I'm just I'm a big dude generally. I've powerlifted for a long time. I'm about 5'11", 220-ish, but yeah. I'm just a big guy. Yeah. Um, I mean, when I went in, I've got my sleep studies. I've done everything. I mean, I can range anywhere from 190 to 220, depending on, you know, over the last several years. Um, but the numbers just low 300s. I think I pulled a 298 when they put me on androgel for about six months. Um, and then the Army Endocrinology Department found out about it and lost their mind. But I was 25 and not drinking, not smoking, just working out all the time. I, I mean, I'm confused. You were, you, were, you, were, you were doing, I'm confused. You were doing steroids then? No, no, no. Uh, prescribed androgel. Uh, which which topical. was which shouldn't uh, the endocrinologist appropriately freaked out, right? That sh- you shouldn't be on that in your twenties. That's crazy. Right. So I'm just I don't know if it's a lifestyle thing or what. I mean, it's I know the spectrum they gave me was two hundred to a thousand, and that seems like a pretty broad range. Right, but that's all normal. That's normal. Two hundred, three hundred in your early mid twenties. It's is totally acceptable. It's. What's the, what's the, that's the, well, I'm going to be a little bit facetious and just say, look, it's 200 to 1,000. That's normal. Normal is normal. Now, having said that, we have a little bit of confusion in endocrinology about, because it is such a broad range of normal, 
what should be normal for a given individual. But if you have low testosterone for you, that needs to be explained. That's an illness in your 30s. I mean, do you, well, I mean, do you have endocrine failure? I mean, what's going on here? But you also have extreme sleep apnea. You should feel like shit all the time with that level of sleep apnea. So to try to blame how you're feeling on anything other than sleep apnea is completely spurious, right? So, I mean, I, so that's the issue that I found with, with testosterone is it could be the cause or it could be the result or it could be not even related. It's not related. It's You're focused. You're, you, you are completely focused on something that is very high, unlikely to be related to what you're experiencing and, and could harm so, you. By, and by demanding that that's the issue, you could really hurt yourself. No, no, I totally. I mean, the side effects from from HRT when you don't need it are horrifying. Right. Um, to, to, totally get that. It's just I wanted another opinion because, in my experience, military docs are here's a whole bunch of Viagra, go away. And it's like, well, I don't really want that. And I'm well, just, I'm, I'm looking I'm, for a, a answer to my question, which has not been really. And your question is, by, by wh- and your question is, why do I feel? Where's bad? my sex drive? Yeah, why do I feel like shit? Why, if I'm trying to lose weight, I mean, I'll go keto and and I'll do the whole thing. I, you know, I, no sugar, no grain. You know, you and Vinny and Mike and Adam yeah. and whoever. You know, I'm I'm on board with all of that. I just my body is not reacting the way I feel that it should be. Are you depressed? Um, maybe. I mean, I mean, I've dealt with some depression in the past. Are you using any substances? I drink. I smoke pot occasionally, but uh, we're talking maybe once or twice a week. I just started smoking. I got out of the Navy a year ago. How much are you drinking? Um, I got. Um, I stopped drinking mostly when I when I okay. smoked a little bit. Um, a few drinks, maybe three times a week. Okay. All right. So uh, again, the 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 important thing. I, I guess I would lose the weight. Yes, I would get your sleep apnea treated and make sure that the treatment is effective. Right? You, are you going to get another study on the CPAP? I just had my fourth one and was given a Gosh. new. Um, I was given a new machine by the VA. So I had three with the with the Navy prior to getting out. That's when I was given my uh, my CPAP originally, and then they didn't have a machine that could talk to the VA, so they gave me another one. Gave me a new CPAP. And they said all oh, my numbers look good. Okay. I mean, as far as it being effective, which right. is great. That's good. Uh, I don't know if a, if a septoplasty will help. I don't particularly feel better. You I don't mean, feel better. Right. It's a constant low energy, um, just exhausted, no sex drive. I mean, it's basically. I don't know which way it goes. Is it, is it the lack of sleep that just manifests like? Low T, low T. I mean, I know there's a lot of crossover between symptoms. Yeah, but you keep calling something low testosterone that isn't low. It's it's right. it's normal, and so you having you're having a lot of symptomatology that does need to be explained. The testosterone would be about fifteenth or twentieth on the list of things that the doctors would be concerned about as, as causing how you're feeling. So you're the the it sounds like you're not getting enough attention by the you know, some nobody's sitting and really thinking about what's why you called me. I understand about what's going on with you, and it it, it something's not right. Whether it's a mood disturbance or PTSD or the weight or but something isn't right, and then that if you if you have low testosterone for you again it's normal but low for you, it's got to be secondary because why would you have low testosterone at thirty? What what illness would you what what condition of your testes would you have that would be causing that? Nothing. So 
unless there was something that you're exposed to or something. So anyway, I, I think the important thing, Richard, is just to try to get somebody to sit and think with you and really do a comprehensive workup. It sounds like you're sort of driving the train a little bit. You, you need somebody, and I know it's hard. And you're you're out of military now, right? Yes, sir. Can, can you can you get a private doctor? I don't have private insurance at this point in time. I'm a little bit between gigs. I mean, I, my question is what my question's been forever, which is, what is the question? I don't, I don't know what question I'm supposed to be asking. The question is, I understand what, it sounds like I'm driving first. Yeah, list list your symptoms. List your symptoms. Get get a smart doctor. List your symptoms and their time course. Put it on a piece of paper and hand it to him or her, and just say, "I need an explanation for this." That's it. That that's it. Don't don't start trying to do your own thinking about what it is. That just hand it to that person and see what they say. Uh, Alexander, you had a follow up. Yes. Hi. Hey. <laughs> um, I spoke to you back in February about um, I have an eating disorder and I was kind of dealing with a little bit of depression and anxiety. And uh, you actually recommended that I go. I should probably be seeing a therapist more than once a week. Oh yeah. Um, and so actually after, uh, probably about a week, two days after I spoke to you, I actually ended up calling, um, an eating disorder recovery place. And I was actually in PHP for about six weeks. Oh, and, good. uh, oh, great. I just advanced out of IOP. So I start outpatient next week. So great. I wanted to thank you. Congratulations. <laughs> know, well done. Um, it kind of like pushed me into there and I was actually diagnosed with, um, bipolar too. Wow. So, I'm on I'm on Lamictal and uh, it's working. You sound so. a lot you sound a lot better. You did not sound right last time we were talking. So good, fantastic. Yeah, I mean it's been almost two months. So yeah, I feel much better. Um, I have a question about surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, about two years ago, I injured my ankle. Um, I tore two ligaments on both sides, mm-hmm. and I'm still having pain. And my doctor wants to do surgery, like exploratory surgery. But I know, like, mobility is fine. It's just pain. And I know that, like, surgery for pain most likely, like, doesn't work. Well, it doesn't work in the back. It's it's dicey unless you know what you're going in for anywhere else. Well, the doctor thinks that there may be some, like, scar tissue buildup. I guess my question is, is, like, is it necessary or, like... Do you think it, it? I'm a mail carrier, so oh boy, yeah. I'm, kind of, I'm kind of on my feet all is, day. Is this is this person who's recommending the surgery a foot and ankle specialist or just a general orthopedist? He he's a foot and ankle specialist. Uh, I, I would want to know but more. Like, yeah, I, I'd want to know more it, to help you in that decision because I, I don't know what he's thinking, uh, and and I don't like the idea of exploratory surgery. Would it be a laparoscopic surgery? Yes. Yeah, that's okay, but still, so I don't, like, he what? Yeah, he, oh, I was thinking because I was I was still working on it the entire time. I injured it, and then I was in a boot for a few months, and then I went back to carrying mail. And I was like, oh well, I'll do you know treatment for six weeks. I'll be off of my ankle, and I was still having pain. And now it's kind of once in a while. The doctor's like, it's been two two years or almost a year and a half since I injured it. And he's like, I just don't know why you're having pain, so I want to go in there. We tried um, injections, and they worked for a little while, and I'm just kind of like, ah, I don't really want to have surgery. Yeah. I, I, the one thing you might do is maybe get another opinion just to see. 
Um, I, I can't even speak to it because I don't know what he's seeing. I can't examine your ankle. I don't know what's going on. It does sound a little weird, i got to say. The, the other only option, nothing, maybe see a physical therapist that has specialization in ankle. Sometimes that's we, Yeah, we've been doing physical therapy once a month, and yeah. he's been giving me exercises to do at home. Right. And nothing showed up on MRIs. Nothing showed up on x-rays. I've had uh, two x-rays, two MRIs. And then another x-ray procedure where he was, like, pulling on my ankle and yeah. twisting it, and nothing showed up. So I'm yeah. like, well, I don't – I mean, I feel like something would have showed yes, up. Yes, I agree. Something. I agree. I, I mean, he, it's not unreasonable to do it, but I just – like you, I hate you know, surgery. I, I, personally, I'm so bad with surgery. Every time I have a surgery, it just ruins me for a long time. Um, so if there's nothing else to be done and you can't stand the pain and you have to do it, you have to do it. I, I, I understand that. Maybe some more – what about um, just before that you go? What, what about more injection? The more steroid injection. I'm sorry. What about doing more injections? He said he. We did another one back in January. So we did the first one last August. Yeah. And then around January is kind of when it started to um, not work as well. So then we did another one. Yeah. And that one's not really. Okay. It didn't really take. It didn't really right. work. And but. A, a part of me thinks that maybe, because now my medication's starting to work, Layla McDowell, I finally am at like 100 milligrams. Yeah. Do you think that like when I would drop down into depression that it would cause me to have more pain? Yeah, depression is associated with increased pain perception. Sure, sure. I mean, that may be, but, I, but be careful. Just whatever, just go slow. That's all I'm saying. How about that? Go slow, okay? Okay. All right. Thank you all so right. much. You got it. Take care of yourself. Uh, this is uh, Amber. Amber. Hi. Hey, what's happening? Yes. What's going on? Hi. So um, I have an odd situation where I've been friends with a woman um, for about 10 years. She currently has four kids who she has no custody of because Uh-oh. she has an on-off drug problem. Uh-oh. And I, unfortunately, had a hysterectomy at 19. Can't have kids. I'm married. Um, great relationship. My husband and I um, are really seeking to become foster parents, adoptive parents, and she's now pregnant again. Oh, boy. And she's throwing the back and forth, I want to give up my child to you because you're going to be great parents. And then, no, I want to keep it. I want to finally have be able to raise my child. Um, her parents and her grandparents are raising all of her children. Oh, God. She has none of them. I, but I am the godmother of all of her children, oh. and I go and get them Every every opportunity I can, I try to take them on the weekends to free up some time for the grandparents and great-grandparents so they can have time. And I'm just kind of conflicted that this is going to destroy my relationship with her. What is? Or... Taking it or not taking it? it, it if, if we, either way, I feel like. Yeah. I feel like it's just in that... It's, it's a hard situation, but we've wanted to be parents for so long. I'm 34. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, I'm getting older. <laughs> My husband and I are both, you know, middle 30s and don't want to start a family in our 40s. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Have you, how would this be arranged? Would it be as a foster or as adoption? Um, so the communication at this point is she wants to do um, a pre-birth adoption, mm. which can be done, but I, I completely agree with my husband. I completely agree with um, everybody, and and I feel the same that, if I was to adopt, I need to disassociate myself from her. Yeah, I mean, to mean, be make able it a, to build make, this relationship. I mean, make it a closed adoption. Yes and no, because I fully feel that I want this child to be able to be re- raised 
and have that relationship with their brothers. Her four boys are my godchildren, so I don't want to lose them, but she doesn't have anything to do with them. So I'm still close with the grandparents who are raising them. Is, is your friend using drugs actively now? I'll be honest with you. She's in a halfway house, um, but she just got out of a rehab um, two weeks ago. Right, and so, so she's in this sober living halfway house. Right, so she's sober her now. Her drug tests are coming clean. All right, so she's sober now. But, what, what if you were to sit down yeah. and have a conversation with her about this issue? Your concerns about this? Um, I tried to. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where this whole teeter-totter, she's, she's four months. So we, it's, we have until October, obviously, until the baby arrives. But she she doesn't have a job. She can't afford the halfway house. So she's about to be kicked out of there. She's just not stable on her footing. But she she has it in her mindset that this time it's going to be different. Mean, and so that's where so she plans when to, I try to... She's attempting to stay sober. Is that, oh, that's where she goes back to saying, I'm going to have the baby, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, like, tonight she calls me crying and saying that it's too hard. Oh she's miserable being pregnant because she's throwing up. Oh and the God. only thing that's going to relieve her from being pregnant is to go back to using. And what's I'm her, what's telling her, her, what's like, her drug of choice? Heroin. Okay. And, or opiates. Yeah. Um, have, and, I, and it's so have they hard thought about, because I've been there. But you, you're a drug addict? I, I, I was. I'll be honest. When I was in my, from 18 to 22, I heavily used. And pills were big, and I'm, I'm from New England, and they were big back then. Mm-hmm. But I'm honest, without any relapse, I have been good for 14 years. Hmm. Uh, so you're not a true drug addict. You're what we call a drug-dependent user. Uh, it's sort of one way of conceptualizing it is that you know a drug addict can't stop. They just can't stop, uh, and that's that's the nature of addiction. If you can stop, then that was just a dependency. When you were using, it probably looked like addiction, mm-hmm. but now that was just dependency. Um, yeah. Either way, I mean, it's, I stopped it's a, cold it's a turkey and disorder. moved a thousand miles away and haven't used ever since. <laughs> right. Uh, and, and so have they ever thought about putting the, your pregnant friend on methadone? Because that's actually something um, – that's actually a safer drug to be on during pregnancy than anything else if she's not going to be able to stay sober. Um, honestly, I'm not sure. She is in court right now. Okay. Um, so, so that's just, charges, just be aware so. that's an option for her you know, to get her to a methadone clinic if she starts to go down the, the road again. And then I, I think yeah, – I, I can't I, – I don't know what to tell you. This is a very personal decision. I mean you're, you're thinking about it clearly and, and dispassionately. You're, you're right. It's probably going to be total chaos having her in that child's life. I don't see how you're going to be able to cut her out unless it's some sort of pre-agreed upon structure to the, the adoption, and I doubt that's going to happen. So I, I, I think you have to talk to her about it. I, I would get a professional involved, whether it's an adoption service or a social worker or somebody to help you navigate this. I, I would not go this one alone. Does that make sense? Absolutely. All right. So let's Absolutely. just let's just leave it at that, and then keep in back your mind that she can always go. On, uh, I'm not a fan of methadone, but with a pregnant woman that can't stay sober, I am. Okay. Okay. All right. I will definitely reach right. out for resources. All Thank right. you so much. Good luck. Okay. Wow, that is heavy. I'm going to give you a challenge. Find a gift that is affordable, practical, and uh, Instagram-worthy. On the top of the list would be Quip, the electric toothbrush that looks like it was designed by Apple. Without that high price, that's right, you're supposed to brush your teeth for two minutes a day, but do you? Well, whether your answer is yes or no, you need Quip because the electric toothbrush, it looks like it was designed by Apple. It cleans like premium electric brushes. 
but it gives you a timer so you will be sure to brush for those two minutes. Quip also offers an optional subscription plan delivering new brushes, uh, the brush heads that are dentist recommended on a three-month schedule for just $5, including free shipping worldwide. And the Quip electric toothbrush is featured in just about every gift guide this year. So it will be love at first brush. I'm kidding. And no charger or wires means Quip is compact and light to make brushing twice daily at home easy and on the road as well. And make sure that you get those two minutes in. Don't have to worry about getting a new brush head on the toothbrush. They'll deliver it right to your door. So you replace the brush on time and have that better oral hygiene at an affordable price. The sleekest design you've ever seen for an electric toothbrush. That is Quip.com. Quip starts at just $25. Right now you can go to Get Quip, G-E-T-Q-U-I-P.com slash Drew, Dairy W, to get your first refill pack for free. That's your first refill pack for free at GetQuip.com slash Drew. Again, it's G-E-T-Q-U-I-P.com slash Drew. Of course, our friends at Blinds Galore, BlindsGalore.com was the first place to buy custom window treatments online. And trust me, they know what they're doing. I've got them, Corolla's got them, and they are not your average window treatment that you'd find, say, in a boxed-up store somewhere. Everything at BlindsGalore.com is 100% custom, hand-built to your specifications, specifically for what you want. BlindsGalore doesn't build anything until you order it, and they want you to be satisfied. Believe me, I work with these guys, and they guarantee it, and they guarantee their work, and they will work through every step of the way. They've got consultants and help you measure and figure out what kind of style you want. It really is... (laughs) We had a dog recently just, in fact, uh, destroy the edge of one of our... We locked her in a place she shouldn't have been and destroyed the edge of one of the blinds, color blinds. And we were all devastated. Like, oh, no, we love these things so much. I kid you not. Not only will your new window covering fit perfectly, but they'll look like they belong in your home. So, blindsgalore.com makes it easy to get the designer blinds and shades you've always wanted without the designer price. Go see what blindsgalore.com can do for your windows and let them know I sent you. That is blindsgalore.com. I'm excited to welcome back our friends at Bergamot. That's right, Bergamot. That's a brand that made a real impact on me. I like their research. It's like a natural statin. Bergamot makes a variety of supplements that use extract of the bergamot citrus fruit. And these supplements act as a natural statin, as I said, that may improve a number of cardiovascular conditions along the lines of the metabolic syndrome, which is high blood pressure, high cholesterol, insulin resistance. Now the maker brings you a formula called Bergamot Sport that provides all the same cardiovascular benefits with an additional additive designed to aid athletes and those with active lifestyles. Bergamot Sport may help improve stamina as well as reduce recovery time and hopefully muscle inflammation. In an ongoing study, professional soccer players were asked to use Bergamot Sport and there were documented improvements in their performance and they've been impressive. I've used the product myself. I've recommended it to patients both for cholesterol-lowering and for non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. That's a really important use of this medication. Just as physicians and cardiologists around the world have done, for a limited time, our listeners can save 10% on their order by using the code DRDRW at checkout. That's DRDRW, all one word. To try Bergamot Sport for yourself, visit bergamot.com. That is B-E-R-G-A-M-E-T.com or click on the banner at drdrew.com. Uh, John, Indiana. Yes. Dr. Drew. Hey, you had, you had called uh, A&D, right, the other show about – was that you? Yes, sir. So tell yes, the story sir. again for this, or this, this audience quickly. I, I kind of know it. Uh, was uh, graduated medical school, uh, was a 
resident or intern, uh, finished my year of, uh, interning, um, but was very depressed and, uh, went down the wrong path, obviously, and fell into addiction and, uh, tried to commit suicide, uh, and, uh, lost my job hmm. down that road. Um, and there was another layer to this too, right? John? Um, Do you want to talk about that or not? Um, the, uh, the other la- layer being the hospital yeah. portion. Yeah. Um, Good. Uh, if, I mean, I'd rather talk personally with okay. you privately with right. you. So, so if, you got, you got if, it. If, some... that, if that could be a possibility, but, it's, it's been, it's been eight years. I've been trying to, uh, find, uh, other opportunities, other jobs, I guess is basically why I'm calling in is cause. You know, I went to treatment and uh, went to meetings, went to treatment, inpatient treatment, outpatient treatment, meetings, and everything, and steps, and uh, I, I met somebody, and she stayed with me helped me through everything, didn't meet somebody in a program or anything. Mm-hmm. Had somebody before everything and stayed with me. And we got married, had kids. We have a family, a big family. And How are you, uh, how are you, supporting, yourself, how are you supporting yourself now? I, I, have a, I have a nice job. It's a, it's a comfortable job. It's not challenging me uh, intellectually. It's it's uh, mind numbing. <laughs> but, but you're able to support yourself with it. Yes, sir. It, it is uh, a- my wife works, and I work, and we're middle class, and uh, I have uh, debt, obviously. You know, yeah. I have uh, $300,000 plus debt from medical school that I would like to pay. Correct. Yeah. That I would like to pay back. And I, but I would like to obviously get a better job. Yeah. What, what's holding you back? Uh, I have, I've tried to find uh, jobs. And uh, nobody seems to want somebody with that with a record firing. Mm. Correct. Uh, and and uh, do you have a license to practice medicine? No, I after that. All that, that stuff. You, uh, obviously, another big regret. I didn't uh, acquire my license after I finished step two. And can you get it? Is there a way you can go back and get it? Not after this long. Hmm. Would you have to do another after, one? After three years out, 
I I believe it was after three years out. It was. You have to do another internship to do that, right? I I don't I don't know if that was it. Right. Even even after I was out of treatment, I even thought about uh, maybe maybe I'll just apply for other residencies, and I right. did that. Okay. And nobody would accept me into other resident, even family practice. No offense to anybody in family practice residencies, because I have friends. Obviously, you yeah. know, I I went to med school. I have a lot of friends that are family practitioners. Do Do you have a therapist? So, um. Not a good one. I mean, it sounds like, <laughs> and say. you sound terribly depressed too. I mean, it sounds like you you need a sort of a psychiatric team to help kind of support you through this. This is not something that can be you know dealt with in a phone call, right? Um, I I I wouldn't say I'm depressed. I I wouldn't say I couldn't uh, be. I I wouldn't be. No, I I don't have a therapist. Yeah, you, you need to get it, uh, you need to get a psychiatric team but, together. I, I I had a therapist. She dropped me. Why? I missed an appointment, or I missed two appointments okay. back to back. And uh, all right, we need to. That's not a reason to end your psychiatric care, and, and it's time to get back get that going again. I mean, you need you need supportive services for sure. I mean, if you think you're not depressed, then whatever I'm feeling is is. <laughs> You know something, then it's worse. Something more profound because uh, you know just hearing you talk, I feel overwhelmed. Just just hearing. I, you. I have low self esteem. No. That's for sure. Well, I, so do I. But this isn't that. This is this is like despair and and helplessness and or hopelessness and that's depression. And you know whether or not it's a major depressive episode or not, somebody has to evaluate that. But but you need support. I mean, I, I, that's that's more than anything. Well, I'm I'm. I'm worried financially. Sure, I get it. I don't want my. I I get it. I I get it. You know, I have that financial burden hanging over me. Okay, let's distill it down. You understand? I do. How how can I help right now? I'm. I that that was my that was my question. Is just, you know, is there? I I went to the groups and the meetings and everything. And I met with the physician only groups. Yeah. And you should still be in those. And, and I went to so many of them for so long for so many years. I mean, it's been, it's been eight years. Yeah. And, and I asked every question for, and asked for so much help. Mm. And, uh, and for so many answers and, and to the point where, and I listen to you and Adam every day and I appreciate you guys so much. And that's why, you know, I was so nervous calling into you guys and I appreciate you guys so much and respect you guys. And, you know, I have, I have three young kids and a wife, a beautiful wife I, I, I get it. You, you said you said here's the question, and then you didn't ask a question. I, I apologize. No, no, to apologize. Um, I'm just saying you're you're all over the place, and and I, you know, you you're the kind of guy that needs support. You need support, and, and it's it's not going to magically get better, and it's not going to get better with something I say on the telephone here today. 
it, it's an I, and it's, I, I understand that again the despair at having been involved for so long. You actually are doing remarkably well. You you still sober. You married. You have three kids. You have a stable life. You want to do better. I get that. But that's going to require whatever this despair or this this feeling that is so heavy being sort of either supported in therapy or looked at psychiatrically to see if there's something that can be done. Uh, John, that's that's it. I do have to get on to other callers. I, we, could, we could sit and talk and spin all day, but it, it's unfortunately there's not more to be said. But I, I will say there's one more thing to be said. At some – you need help. You need other people for sure. And I understand you said you've you've had support of other people. I, I wasn't there, so I don't know what was happening back then. But it seems to me you do need the support of other people. But at a certain point, you you got to do it yourself. You got to help yourself. It's going to require other people, but you got to help yourself. Uh, Amanda, go ahead. Yes. Hi, Doctor Drew. Hey I wanted to kind of discuss. Um, asexuality mm-hmm. and how to kind of identify that um, with me personally I I was in a relationship many years probably about last time I probably had sex was probably five years ago and I never really found it to be what I wanted sometimes I did sometimes most of the time I didn't was it with somebody and, you really cared about yes okay. yes right. and I haven't been really in a relationship because of work and yeah. stress anxiety depression things like that and I'm ready to date again but are you, I just are, don't, you I, are you on depression medicine? No. Okay. And every time I think about wanting to go further, I I I don't have any desire to do it. I'm I'm a very comforting person. I like to be physical with someone, but with I just have no desire to have sex. And I don't know how to approach a guy and be like, I'm not. I I don't have a desire to do it. I'm a, I know I'm attracted to men. I just don't have any desire to go anything beyond just, you know, comforting. So just low sexual desire. Yeah. And I don't know if I should identify that as do you asexuality no. or if I should just go just low, explore with masturbation you, or are, do you masturbate? I've tried and I just I either just don't take it seriously or I just can't find what's right for me, I guess. And are you on any birth control pill? No. Are you on any medication at all? No. Yeah, it's a low sexual. You menstruating normally? I I have polycystic ovarian syndrome. Oh, and why don't you about, listen? That could be associated with low desire. Have you talked to your doctor about that? I have not. Um, okay. I've been very work driven. I don't really right. think you, about you that. You need to go talk to the gynecologist. Okay, and th- okay. there are ways. Definitely, that's probably what this is. I mean, usually low desire. I mean, it may just be maybe a psychological construct for you, and you may just be one of those people that have low desire. But with PCO, PCOS, it's probably that because the, the, the hormonal alterations can definitely be associated with low sexual desire. So, by all means, go talk to your doctor about that. Okay. And I, okay, so I, there's I, no there's no checklist to say no, you know if I, you act like this, 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 you're asexual. You're not asexual. Stop okay. it! Stop it! You have diminished libido. You have diminished desire. If you can get that biologically squared, the whole thing will still take care of itself. Okay? Okay. All right. Go look into that. All right? All right. Great. All right. Thank you. You, you. you bet. Uh, let's see. This is uh, Jason. What's up, Jason? Oh, wow, Dr. Drew. Hey, man. Oh, I can't believe I'm actually talking to you. Here we are. Um, Listen, man, I've been listening to you since, like, back in the days with Ricky Rackman. You wow. know, I was born in 1980. Yeah. And um, I was I was one of those kids. You know, I know a little bit of your history, and that kind of ties into my question. I have so many questions for you. All right, let's do it. Um, I, 
I know that, like, um, when you first started Loveline, um, you were still in medical school and you were counseled and chastised and, like, advised against it by some of your professors. That, that, did, that, didn't, your... that, that didn't happen until residency. In residency, okay. because it started getting some notoriety and press, and it wasn't um, – and it was uh, about two-thirds of the way through my first year, so I was an intern. My residency director did not chastise nor counsel me. He freaked the fuck out on me uh, in a way that I can't even describe. It was not – I mean today I think he'd have like a legal problem the way he screamed and yelled at me. Uh, and um, and I thought, my God, there's something wrong with me. I've done this horrible thing. I didn't even realize it. And th- but then I thought, well, how can my instincts be that bad? About a, a couple of days later, the director ran into me in the hall and pulled me aside, and he goes, "Look, I'm, I'm sorry that I lost it so bad, but I think you're gonna you're just ruining your career. I don't want you to ruin your career." That was his whole motivation, according to him. Uh, Thank God, as it turned out, I didn't listen to him because he would have ruined my career had I listened to him. So there you go. Well, and I've heard I've heard you express that like I've heard you express that like you were um, uh, on the fence, you know, at that time that you kind of felt that um, there was no other options for kids. You know, there was there was no. uh, No, I felt I felt first I felt I felt like it's something I would have wanted if I'd had that kind of resource a long time ago. You have to kind of put yourself what things were like back then. And Noble was well, talking. I grew up then, yeah. I, well, I grew you were up three then. years I was old. One of those kids. You were three years old when I started doing it, Jason. Three years old. I started in 1983. And what really I was interested in was talking to young people about AIDS because no, we didn't even call it AIDS yet. We hadn't invent, identified the causative agent. We, the term safe sex hadn't been coined yet. And I just, Noel was talking to young people, and I thought that was just insane. And I also thought well, that, that the, I knew what young people were doing. I was 24 years old, and I thought, somebody's got just, this is material they should have access to. I, I, let me answer their questions. That, that was all I thought back in the, at the time. It was just a naive idea. And I thought I was doing community service. I didn't think I was doing a career. I thought I was in community service and something interesting and fun and different. And, and I had an instinct that it was a good, right thing to do, although I was not the kind of person that would ever step out of line. So it was extremely uncomfortable for me to be doing something that the authorities in my life did not think was a good idea. That was very uncomfortable. Well, I'm, I'm here to tell you that you were doing community service. You know, back in 92 and 93, when I was too young to ask these questions, you were providing us with information that we couldn't get anywhere else. And you were giving us a platform to get that out and to, to have no shame and to not be embarrassed. Yeah, it was and just I, I really appreciate it. You got it, buddy. You like, it. Um, you're on, like, my list of, like, you can name one person to have dinner with. You're on my list. And furthermore, you also make it a point to... Um, point out the asterisk at the bottom of every medical diagnosis when it comes to um, treating uh, mental um, instability or, or mental patients. You know, when you talk about, you know, these symptoms are given that the the patient is on no other drugs yep, and not, is, and not, is not taking any other medications. Not a withdrawal, so, not um, a medication, not having a medical condition that could potentially cause that. Only doctors. You're one of the only doctors to, to, to identify that, that drugs and alcohol and medications can create psychosis symptoms. Oh, yeah. So, um, you know, flash forward all these years, um, I'm a member of uh, 12-Step Fellowship. I'm not going to break my anonymity. I have multiple years clean. I've been clean since I was 21. Congratulations, man. Um, I have sponsees who have sponsees, and they have sponsees. So I kind of made it a lifelong decision. Oh, Jason, I'm Um, inspired, man. My my question that I really want to get into is how do you contend right now with like the way that medical science is trying to redefine um, um, and um, shape uh, the nature of addiction and move it away from the abstinence-based yeah. treatment programs I, that have been working. 
I, I will only say uh, stay tuned. I'm going to do some podcasts with a guy named John Kelly and another guy named uh, Keith Humphreys that are fighting the good fight to bring it back towards where abstinence at least has an important place at the table. Uh, there is some important studies about to be published that show conclusively people always uh, criticize 12-step for being non-scientific. We now have the science. It's about to be published. It 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 will there'll be a lot of energy around this thing, this miracle of recovery. That for those people that would like to have a full, restored, fully flourishing life, they can if it's appropriate. If it's appropriate for them, and again, some people it's not, but if it's appropriate, we can bring you not just back, but better than ever knew you could be. And it works, and it's free. For God's sakes, it's free. And uh, and it saves healthcare dollars, even if it weren't free. Just the the, the diminished healthcare expenses on the other side ha- are massive. So stay tuned. Look for those podcasts, and uh, you'll hear about it in the press someday soon. We're, we're going to keep fighting that fight. So don't worry, Jason. It's well, the pendulum and, and will I'm swing. Sure, I'm sure you'll agree, and I'm sure you've heard from people that that it's also there's a spiritual aspect of it that medical science and tax dollars can't fund. Yeah. You know, they can't yeah. reach that spiritual malady or that spiritual yeah. aspect of it no, that I know. Russell Brand is fond of talking about. I know. And Russell and I did a, a speech together. We had a, I really was impressed with him. He's a good guy. He understands his recovery. And and I will just say, if, if it's something a little too goofy to talk about spirituality, I would at least say that it's, it, there's a large component of an addiction that is an interpersonal disease, and it has an interpersonal solution. And 12-step is fundamentally an interpersonal solution to this spiritual malady. So Well, it goes back to um it goes back to Carl Jung and uh, Bill W, the founder of AA. Yep. When Carl Jung, the father of analytical psychology, said it's probably going to take a spiritual awake- awakening that's altruistic he to the individual. He did say that. Yeah. So yeah. And, and, and it goes I, back to that, you know, like yeah. I think that in in our society, when we talk about a spiritual awakening or talk about matters of the spirit, like we str- we go straight to dogma or religion, yeah. and like you don't necessarily have to be no, religious I, to have a spiritual experience. I, 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 I think it's all in the it's all in the interpersonal plane that it really goes down, and, and uh, it's relationships are magical, and it's it's where people get well. It's where, like you said, your sponsies, sponsies, sponsies. That's the magic of what you're doing. And uh, Jason, I got to move. I appreciate your call. You can call anytime. It's, Hope to talk to you it's again. It's been an honor talking to you, man. Thank right, you so you much for your life and everything you've done. Thanks, Jason. Take care. All right, True Car, everybody. Here are some useful tips you might not be aware of. Uh, a little coffee filter and a little bit of olive oil can help you clean your interior. Uh, remember, excess weight in your car will improve gas mileage. That's right. And you can place your key fob on your chin help you increase the range. These are all weird things, but here's something that's not so weird, a tip you also might not know, which is a true car also helps people get used cars as well as new. That's right, true car is not just for buying new cars with their true car certified dealer network and nationwide inventory of nearly 1 million used cars. You will enjoy real pricing. That's right, you'll see real pricing, see the scatter for the people paying in your area for your car, the actual one you want. That's right, actual inventory on a true car Certified dealers lot. It's a simpler buying experience overall, whether you buy new or used. A true car users can see what others paid, as I said, so they'll know they're getting a good value for their money. They're also more likely to enjoy a faster buying experience by connecting with that true car certified dealer. So when you're ready to buy a new or used car, check out True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features not available in all states. Broken bones are painful, but for the aging population, weak 
and broken bones can be deadly. May is National Osteoporosis Month. Did you know approximately 10 million Americans have osteoporosis? It's terribly common. One in two women and up to one in four men over the age of 50 will break a bone during their lifetime because of osteoporosis. Whether it's for you or an aging loved one, talk with your doctor about warning signs or risk factors and ask for an appropriate evaluation and treatment if you have it after a fracture. For more, visit womeningovernment.org. That's womeningovernment.org. Now, if you like this show, step into Heather Dubrow's world. Every Friday on Podcast One, Heather's talking to some fabulous folks like uh, hmm, Queer Eyes, Karamo Brown, friend of mine who used to use my HLN all the time, YouTube stars Mamrie Hart and Grace Helbig, and so many more. You do not want to miss a second of it. Check out Heather Dubrow's world at Podcast One and Apple Podcast. Also, don't forget to rate and review. Uh, this is, uh, Jack. What's up, Jack? Jack Vale? Hey, not much, Dr. Drew. Is that yes, Jack Vale, the, the, uh, jokester? The one, the one and only. <laughs> yes, how you doing? The, the one who tried to <laughs> giving Benadryl to your kids in the video we did? Oh, you remember that? I, of course I do. We were in Venice taking, I was very, I was ambushed. What are you talking about? <laughs> now you're going to have to explain this to your listeners. I don't know how to explain it, except I, go ahead. What's going on now? <laughs> I have a question. Yeah. Um, so, so here's my question. I am, you know, I have a career in, in comedy. I never get political, ever. Um, I, I have strong opinions when it comes to, like, you know, faith-based stuff like that. We're, we're Christians, and, you know, I have no problem uh, being bold about my faith, but politically, I just kind of stay out of it because I don't want to alienate half of my yeah. Yeah, audience. You're, you're right. You're, you're, you're not a politician. Got it. Correct. Correct. Um, however, the entire family is kind of in the spotlight in some way or another, whether it's a, uh, something we're doing on TV or YouTube or, you know, whatever. So I have an 18 year old son named Chris. Um, he was, he was on the show with us yeah. and, he wears his he wears his red Make America Great Again hat everywhere. Yeah. And I literally am I feel bad sometimes because you know I'm always telling him take it off, knock it off. It's always in photos, you know, vlogs. We made a video the other day that I had to blur him out of the back seat of the car because I was so stressed out that the comments were going to just start coming in. Does about, he think he's you know, funny? And he loves Wearing this hat, but, I mean, but, it's, it's a genuine. Yeah, it's really like it's definitely political thing for him. He's for really him. into it. Oh boy. Yeah. It, <laughs> oh well, boy. here's the thing. I like. I just. I just don't want to talk about stuff like that, and I'm afraid. Have you explained to him that hand, look in the it, it, tell him he can wear his hat and express himself wherever he wants, but on these these are products you're trying to produce, and you're trying to make them non-political, and by making them political, you're you're harming the product. Can he please be kind? Right? Can he please yeah. be kind yeah. enough not to do that? Wouldn't that be appropriate? It seems like a simple. It does. Seems like seems like a great. Yeah, it seems great. I I, I should do that. I, I just what I worry about is I worry that sometimes, you know, I'm stifling something. You know. Well, I would. I would. I would or, not say that you should be exerting your political will on your child. I I don't think, and I, nor do I think you should. 
I mean, he's going to find out his own way what he should be wearing, you know, when he wears those kind of billboards <laughs> on his head. But but yeah. it, you're trying to create – it's like literally impairing your ability to do your job. And, and I just think that's just not fair. Not fair to you or the family. Hey, Jack, we need to find that video okay. we did and put it up. We'll put it up on our website. Can we, can we work well, on that? I'll send it to you. Gary, you, you going I think for, I have it. I'll send it. Are Gary looking for it right now? Gary's looking for it. Send it to me. You, uh, send it to uh, – can I send it to you, Gary? Yeah, you can send it to me. Uh, I'll pick up the okay. – we'll put you on hold and I'll give you my email address. Right? Yeah, that'll be great. All Perfect. right, Jack. Good luck, man. Uh, good to hear from you. This is uh, Georgia. Georgia. Hi, Dr. Drew, and good evening. Good evening, Georgia. What's happening? Not too much. I was just calling because I do have a question for you. Mm-hmm. Um, first, let me ask, have you seen the recent drama surrounding Teen Mom 2 star Janelle Evans? I have not. I have not watched the season yet. Okay. Well, it has honestly nothing to do with this season. This is an incident that apparently took place on August, or I'm sorry, April 26th. Mm-hmm. Um, reports came in, RadarOnline.com uh, broke the story, um, and they had police reports and a 911 call to back up the story. Um, allegedly, Janelle Evans was uh driving from a therapy appointment with Jace. Mm-hmm. Um, she had a road rage incident in which Jace, um, who was in the car with her, and one of her other children were in the car as well. However, the other child has not been identified, so we don't know if it was one of David's kids or Ensley or Kaiser. But another child was in the car, and Jace for sure was in the car. Um, she allegedly, according to the story, um, she followed this person to his residence, upon which, once she was at his residence, she um, hit a couple of his vehicles, ran over his mailboxes, and then decided to pull a gun on him. Okay. Now, my question to you is, given this behavior and the children being in the car, what kind of effect can that have on the children seeing such an episode like that? Well, I mean, obviously, seeing, seeing violence and chaos is very difficult, but... Um, as as you know, a lot goes on. Last time I talked to Janelle and her family, um, Child Protective Services had been there multiple times. Each child had a therapist. Each adult had a therapist. So there are tons, there are armies of literally armies of professionals involved with these with this family, and that is their responsibility to to mm-hmm. to manage this. Uh, but that is her private HIPAA protected privilege to have those services. So you have no, no right. You have, you have no right to any of that. I have no right to any of it. I'm not her doctor, uh, but they do have lots of professionals involved in trying to help this family. That's for sure. Okay, um, just kind of as a doctor looking, um, do you think that could? Ne- I mean, just any child being in that situation, it's do you obviously, think that uh, could have a long term negative effect? Georgia, you don't have to use your imagination to know that that's not good for kids to see violence and to well, be around chaos. It's, and nor is it good to have broken families. I know it's good to have fa- parents that fight. None of that is good for kids, right? That's 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 why they need professional help, and that's why they each have uh, a professional managing them, right, to try to mitigate the effects of of some of these things. Okay. Wonderful. Yep. Well, thank you so okay. much, Dr. Drew. I you appreciate bet. you taking the time. All right. Bye-bye. Can we uh, end with a question from me? Yeah. How do you – did you have to learn to be uh, not frustrated by people asking you questions like that? Because 
I, I feel like I've you've tried to explain to people that you see these girls maybe once every six months. Yeah. But I mean, I end up getting super frustrated at cocktail parties when they find <laughs> out that I work for you and they start asking me questions about Teen Mom. Yeah. And I'm like, no, 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 he's not. He's not involved. Like, it's it's the reunion yeah. for eight hours one Saturday while they're all in town. From yeah. Somewhere else. I, I host a show. Like, and calm down, Drew is not. This, yeah. Like, well, the nuts. other thing is, but here's the other thing you have to remember. These I are know for a fact you got trapped by six of my family members at my rehearsal <laughs> dinner. That's who were doing true. It I you. forgot about that. But but these are young people with very significant issues. Yeah, struggling with their lives. I, I and I they have tons of mental health services. All of them, to varying degrees or another. These are people with really really serious psychological, psychiatric, interpersonal issues. Very serious. They're not being neglected. They're all getting lots of care, way more than any television viewer knows. Oh, absolutely. The television viewer is looking at cameras that show up once every few weeks and take a little ice pick of their life that's that's carefully carefully constructed to tell a certain kind of story. Uh, And then the viewer thinks they know that person or know their life or, or are entitled to some sort of they're entitled judgment to an or something, the explanation or, or judgment or something. And the fact is, you know, teen pregnancy is a mental health marker. So you know that people that have a significant or a certain percentage of the people have the, that are going to be in a, pr- a show that starts with teen pregnancy are going to have significant psychiatric and psychological stuff. And those are chronic illnesses. Those are chronic conditions that are marked by periods of extreme outbursts and decompensations. And they're struggling. They're, these are these are people in pain, not people that you need to sit in disdain of yeah, and, and judgment. Around, and sure they have kids. It's extremely easier. problematic. It's extremely difficult. But that's the responsibility of the professionals that are char- that they see that are charged with that care. That's not the responsibility of a production team, a network, or a viewer. It's the it's the responsibility of the people that are involved in the care of these folks. And there are lots of them, and there have been lots of them. And uh, some of them talk about it on the show, and some of them do not. Like Caitlin, the last episode yeah. went, you know, became suicidal, went and got psychiatric care, and she's doing great. Which is awesome, and she's man. talking love, about it like crazy. I love that. Janelle, TV. these are chronic stuff with Janelle that you know. I again, I'm not interested in outing her for her specific psychiatric conditions, but they are chronic and they are severe, and they play out the way these this way these things play out, and they're common, common conditions in our country, not unique to Janelle or, or her family. Sure, common. And so that's the other thing that's a little bit disconcerting is that you you think there's something exceptional about that person. No, these are common problems in our country. They really are. So anyway, uh, thank you all for calling. Gary, thanks for helping me out here. And uh, I will see you all next time. For calling times and topics, follow the show on Twitter at Dr. Drew Podcast. That's D-R-D-R-E-W Podcast. The music from today's episode can be found on the swinging sounds of the Dr. Drew Podcast, now available on iTunes. And while you're there, don't forget to rate the show. The Dr. Drew Podcast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana and Gary Smith. For more information, go to drdrew.com. All conversation and information exchanged during the participation in the Dr. Drew Podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes. Only. Do not confuse this with treatment or medical advice or direction. Nothing on these podcasts supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your medical caretakers. Although Dr. Drew is a licensed physician with specialty board certifications by the American Board of Internal Medicine and the American Board of Addiction Medicine, he is not functioning as a physician in this environment. The same applies to any professionals who may appear on the podcast or drdrew.com. 